0: Love, talk radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. We have an interesting show tonight. Uh, not much politics, though. I am going to get into it a bit later in the show with regard to the inauguration. We get enough politics on the news, on TV, on the radio, on the newspaper every day recently. And I sort of get fed up with it, though. It is very important to all of us. Let me talk about some other things tonight. I want to talk about football. Football has been in the news the past couple of years about injuries, big-time injuries in professional and collegiate of uh, football, primarily in professional football, brain concussions being a big thing. This is not the first time in the history of football that injuries have become a big issue. Uh, injuries were more severe the first time, in contrast to this time. So I want to talk to you tonight a little bit about the president who saved footballs. His name's Teddy Roosevelt. Football, as we all know, is as American as apple pie, whether played professionally or collegiately. Negatives, though, have developed in the game, especially in the professional ranks, brain concussions and deflated footballs. The time is the turn of the century, 1905, give or take a few years either way. Professional football was not a fake to still in its formative stages. College football was king. The game different back then. Brutal and violent. Rough. Fatalities and serious injuries commonplace. Football fields were described by many as killing fields. I kid you not. Were not fatal. Were not fatal. Injuries consisted of wrenched spinal cords, crushed skulls, and broken ribs that pierced the heart. In 1904. There were 18 deaths and 159 serious injuries. That's a heavy number, 18 deaths especially. In the several years before, more than 100 had died. Football was a grinding, bruising sport. Brute strength was required to move the ball forward. Players locked arms in forward movement and used their heads as battering rams. No helmets, no shoulder pads in those days. They used their heads as battering rams, no helmets. Tackles were gang style. A large number of defensive players ending up on the offensive ball carrier. The accumulative weight of the gang tackle estimated at one and a half tons. Newspaper editorials called for an end to collegiate football. Some college presidents disbanded their teams. Several state legislatures were considering making the game illegal. Regardless of the dangers involved, college football was at its peak in popularity. Tens of thousands attended the games. College football in 1905 rivaled professional baseball. President Theodore Roosevelt got involved. A Harvard graduate, he was never able to play football because of nearsightedness. He supported college football, however. It involved the strenuous life, which Roosevelt advocated. The game made men. Harvard had a bad time with football in 1894, a Harvard-Yale game, a bloodbath. Harvard canceled football for two years as a result of that game. Roosevelt was convinced that football was the proving field for the battlefield. Most of his Rough Riders were former college football players. Roosevelt realized that violence had to end for football to survive. Play hard, but do not kill and maim players. The president called a White House meeting on October 5, 1905. The head coaches of the country's premier football teams attended, Harvard, Yale, and Princeton. Roosevelt said, in effect, Okay, guys, time to curb violence. The schools issued a statement condemning brutality and pledging to keep the game clean. However, the 1905 season turned out to be The worst, fatality-wise, more so than in 1904. There were 19 deaths and 137 serious injuries. Among them, the president's son, who played on the Harvard freshman team in a game against Yale, he suffered significant bruising and multiple nose fractures. That same day, a Union College halfback in a game against NYU was kicked in the head. He died of a cerebral hemorrhage. This is big stuff. Worse injuries than we get today. Stanford and California switched to rugby after the 1905 season. Uh, Columbia, Northwestern, and Duke dropped football. Harvard President Charles Elliott threatened that Harvard would be next. Roosevelt did not think highly of Elliott for reasons other than football. He thought Elliot was trying to emasculate the game. Roosevelt was of the opinion that perhaps his October 1905 message had not been heard. He called another meeting of the school leaders. This time the president put his foot down. Shape up was his message. Otherwise, he would lead the growing sentiment against college football. He ordered that they come up with radical rule changes to make the game safer. The second conference was known as the intercollegiate conference, the forerunner of the NCAA. The group came out with a, with significant game-changing rules. The forward pass was legalized. No forward fa- pass, my friends, before the second meeting. Can you imagine? No forward pass till 1906. The legendary coach, John Heisman, had long been an advocate of the forward pass. He thought it would open the game, thereby reducing dangerous midfield collisions. Other new rules adopted included creating a neutral zone between offense and defense. Mass formations were abolished. First down distance was doubled from five yards to 10 down to I'm sorry to 10 yards. Three downs were permitted. Though approval was given to the forward pass, it was restricted. The ball could not be passed to a receiver in the end zone. The call, can't be too exciting, huh? The ball could not be passed within five yards of center. An incomplete pass resulted in the opposite team getting the ball. The New York Times called the forward pass idea radical. Fatalities and injuries dropped dramatically in 196 and 197. The tables turned in 199. Fatalities spiked. Another meeting, a non-White House one. More reforms, restrictions on the forward pass eased. College and professional football might not be part of society today were it not for Theodore Roosevelt. He saved football at a precarious time in its history. Think how tough football is today. Injuries in every game, yet present day football compares in no way to that which existed in Roosevelt's time. A major, a more, dangerous sport back then hard to believe so much for teddy roosevelt and football i want to speak briefly about the inaugural which is this friday i have since election day and truman i'm truman we should be so lucky to have truman again and trump being elected i have refrained uh, from political commentary probably in my blog and on the show one or two percent has consisted of political dialogue otherwise i've stayed away my position upon trump's election was he's president he's our president let's give him a chance let's see what he's going to do but i can't help with all the bullshit that's been going on in the last two three four weeks and with everything we're seeing i've got to make this comment he's going to be inaugurated friday god bless him I wish him good luck. I hope he succeeds, because he must succeed for the good of you and me, for the good of our country. But I'm also going to say, God help us. This guy is nuts. He's a bully. This is what I was saying during the campaign. I've got to say it again tonight. It just comes out of me. Uh, This guy, and I'm saying it seriously, is Adolf Hitler reincarnated. We are at a stage in this country where Germany was in the early 1930s, so... Let's see what happens from this point forward. That's all I'm saying about this. You know, when you're broke, you're broke. You know you're broke. Uh, When a business doesn't have much money and it needs to borrow, it's got to have a good financial statement, and it's it's accountant or CPA. The company's accountant or CPA or the individual's accountant or CPA must attest to the viability of the company. They're in good economic health. Well, I'm going to tell you something. The accountant for the United States, the accountant for the United States, can't tell us if our government is solvent or insolvent. Uh, the, the government's accountant is the GAO, the United States Government Accountability Office. I repeat, the U.S. Government Accountability Office. It's the federal government, a CPA, or accountant. And it says, again, it cannot, okay, In fact, it says this, it refuses to hand down an opinion of the federal government's financial status for 2016 and for many years before. Why? Because they say, well, there are many irregularities in the books, reconciliations impossible in many situations, significant uncertainties. And so this is, you and I are not, I'm not an accountant, most of you are not. Uh, But you don't have to be a genius to know that if someone owes $19.8 trillion, they have to be insolvent. (laughs) And that's our case. We are a bad risk, even though we're a nation. uh, And we do do business poorly, even though we're purportedly the greatest nation in the world. We're broke. We're insolvent. We owe $19.8 trillion. But because it's the government that owes it, apparently it's okay. My concern is, why can't the government's accountant, the U.S. Government Accountability Office, say, hey, man, we're insolvent, we're in trouble, and we should do something about it? He leaves it to others in government, or the, the organization leaves it to others in government to do so. All right. There have been, we know the economy's getting better. There's no question about it. Uh, wages could be better. More people could have jobs. But we are a far cry from where we were when Obama took office in 2008 or was elected in 2008. We've come a long way, absolutely no question about it. Uh, But still, businesses are not making it uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, But let me spell out some of the major business closings that have been announced in December or, more recently, in this month. Okay, Macy's, Macy's announces closing up to one hundred. it's closing 100 stores. Rather, four thousand employees will be laid off. Sears and Kmart. Sears and Kmart have been struggling for years. They're closing 30 stores. No estimate as to the number of layoffs. CVS. This I find hard to believe. CVS is closing 70 stores. Now, we have four CVS's. In Key West, (laughs) a town of 25,000 people, we get tourists, we got 50, 60, 70,000 people. We just built a new CVS a mile from my house. In downtown Key West, they tore down this huge CVS and built a new and bigger one. So CVS isn't hurting in Key West. I don't understand why they're closing 70 stores around the country if they have a need for four in Little Key West, with or without tourists. Limited, been around forever. Limited announced last week it's going out of business. All 250 stores are being closed. Just like that, they are closed, 4,000 employees out of jobs. This one hurts. Ringley's Barnum and Bailey Circus. They're closing in about two months. They're doing their last show. They announced they can't afford to stay in business. This is sort of cruel. I can remember whenever... Ringley Brothers, Barnum and Bailey Circus, came to Utica, my father took me. Then when I was a father, I took the kids. And then I went with my son and the grandchildren when when the circus came back to town. They didn't come every year. We were a small town, maybe every four or five years. I found it exciting. Even though I was an adult, I found it exciting. Most exciting was the look on the face of not only children, but adults as they saw these various acts performed. In Key West, we'll never have Barnum and Ringley's Barnum and Bailey Circus. Never had it. Now we're never going to get it because we're too small of a market. But a little circus comes to town every three or four years. And every three or four years, Lewis and the grandkids go to see that show. And again, it's the same excitement. Well, Ringley's Barnum and Bailey is gone. Now the Clinton Foundation, the Clinton Foundation, uh, they announced last week that they're closing down completely the Clinton Global Initiative. That is a part of the Clinton Foundation. The Clinton Global Initiative mass layoff: twenty-two people work for the Clinton Global Initiative. All two will be out of their jobs effective April 15. And the global—I'm uh, sorry—the the global uh, Clinton Global Initiative is being discontinued forever. I ask the question, is this politically inspired? I suspect sort of, indirectly, maybe. The FBI did invest- investigate Hillary for uh, e- emails. At the same time, the FBI was and is still investigating, okay, Clinton Global Initiative Hillary uh Chelsea, her name pops up, uh, regarding corruption allegations with regard to the Clinton Global Initiative. The pay to play allegations, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for one hour speech, five hundred and another time six hundred thousand dollars for one hour speech. That is still under investigation by the FBI, in spite of which they're closing it down. Probably a wise move on their part. Uh Trump, Donald Trump, not going to say anything negative about him. But he announced during when he was just after he was elected, he was not going to live in the White House. Neither he nor his family would live in the White House. He'd live in his new hotel uh, when he was in Washington and his home in Trump Towers in New York City. Well, he announced this past week he is now going to live in the White House initially alone. Uh, Melania and his 10-year-old son Barron will remain in New York until Barron finishes this school year in May or June, and then the whole family will be together in the White House. I'm glad he's made this decision, and he's made the decision in the fashion he has. Our president should live in the White House. His son Barron should live in the White House. His wife Mulaney should live in the White House. And the American people should look upon how they live with pride. There's my president and his family, and look what they are doing. I want to talk about ISIS a little bit. I'm going to talk about ISIS in a place you may not even know they're having ISIS problems. This is something new. I'm going to talk about Albania. Albania is a little country, tiny, tiny, tiny. It was part of the Soviet bloc. It's now an independent nation. Uh, Anyone can overrun the country. We could, the United States, the Russians, the Turks, anybody. And ISIS could overrun the country if they wanted to. Uh, I have a friend that lives in Albania. Her name is Flora. Uh, I met her several years ago, and we, we met two consecutive summers on the Greek island of Armagos, where she worked summers and I was vacationing. Uh, she is a schoolteacher during the year in Albania. She has to clean house and clean toilets summer times in Greece to make enough money to make it through the year. However, schoolteachers don't get a lot of money. I wrote a short story about uh, Flora. I called it Flora's Story, and it's... Published in the book I wrote a few years ago, The World Upside Down. Very touching story, very touching story. Uh, I asked this woman, and she's, by the way, she, she is now 45. I asked her if she could have anything she wanted, what would she want? And she said a car. She says, I have to walk everywhere. There are even very few buses, and I'm tired of walking every place. Uh, I, I asked her if she went out, and she says, oh, yes. Socially, I was talking about. I says, well, what do you do? She said, I dance. How often do you dance? Once a year at the teacher's party at the end of the year. Do you drink alcohol? Oh, yes. How often do you drink alcohol? Once a year. Where? I have a glass of wine at the teacher's party at the end of the school year. I'm laughing a little bit, but we don't. they don't live as we do and we don't live as they do. Okay? Now, ISIS is entering Albania. They started in November. It's on a limited basis, okay, on a very limited basis. But dozens, it's in southeast Albania. Dozens are leaving to fight in Syria. Cells are developing inside the country. The Albanian police did an anti-terror sweep and arrested many. Now, follow what I'm saying. It isn't just the, the young people that are going, the males. Their wives go with them or their girlfriends, and they bring their children, their little children, with them. Uh, there's a fervor involved in this. They're, they're, like, they're religiously intoxicated by ISIS, the only way to describe it. It's taking part in three villages, the village of Lesnika, the village of Zagorasin, I'm not even sure I'm pronouncing these correctly, and I apologize, and the village of Rer-Ani, Rer-Ani. Uh These three villages... And you can understand why these kids take off they go with ICS have no businesses, big unemployment, poverty the the only work really is to be a farmer and then there's only part time farming work involved. It's seasonal, so many of them go to Greece as my friend Flora did to clean apartments for tourist apartments. they go to farm in neighboring Greece for the summer to make an extra dollar. But ISIS is on the move there. Now, this creates all kinds of problems. Uh, don't forget, this is next door to Syria. Russia's in Syria. Russia and Syria are fighting ISIS. Russia made a mistake in going into Syria, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, because it's going to be like Afghanistan for them. They're going to be there for years, accomplish nothing, and be brutalized economically. Uh Russia is crying. We should be there with them, the United States, to fight ISIS. But I want to give Obama credit. We did not want him to keep us in wars eight years ago when we elected him, and he didn't. But the only way you do it in the crazy Middle East is not get involved in their personal fights, fights that started thousands of years ago where hatred runs deep. It's not our battle, not our place for our boys and girls to get killed. That's how I believe. Uh, well, what are you going to do? Uh, they're going into Albania. Russia would love to take Albania over as they took over Crimea, because this is a former satellite nation. I don't know what's going to happen, but it's a screwed up mess. can only get worse. Russia made a mistake, I believe is going to be in trouble in the next year or two there. They can't afford this. Russia's broke. No one seems to understand this. They've got nuclear weapons. If they didn't have nuclear weapons, we would not pay any attention to them at all. Uh, and and so it is. Uh, they're in trouble, and they need our help. And I fear Trump will give him assistance because Trump believes we got to go kill ISIS. We all believe that. But you must do it in an intelligent fashion, in a proper fashion. I'm not a military man, but I don't see anything to be gained by going over to Syria and fighting in their war with Russia as my partner and perhaps getting involved now in Albania because ISIS, you know, is like a creeping cancer. It spreads and spreads and spreads. I want to talk about the Boston Police Department. Police enforcement in this country... At the very highest levels, I'm talking about federal agencies, FBI, Secret Service, whatever, down to the village police officer, all want more and more guns and tanks and all kinds of ammunition. And they also want surveillance. They want to know everything the people are doing. That's you and me. Well, we're big in social media. This is social media we're doing right now. And they want to read our emails. Certain police departments and federal agencies. Well, they want to know what we talk about to each other. Or I write a blog. What do I write about in my blog? And Boston, the Boston police were no different. Big department. They had a concern, and they proposed to spend 1.4 million dollars—a lot of money—for uh, a social media surveillance system i repeat a social media surveillance system well the people of boston went crazy you'd go crazy too if you were there and it's a victory for the people over the government the city sought proposals for the social media surveillance and when this public outcry which was huge saying it's none of your goddamn business you stay out of my internet my social media there's too much surveillance as it is in this country we are becoming a police state the mayor of boston and the police commissioner of boston withdrew the idea admitting admitting that the proposal was dangerous and went beyond what the police needed to protect public safety you remember there: d period a period r period e period uh, the Drug Abuse Resistance Education Group, Drug Abuse Resistance Education Group, uh, they, they're trying to outlaw and prohibit drug use all over. A noble, a noble effort. And this is a group that, that goes to our public schools and our Catholic schools and has the kids raise their hands and say, I swear never to use drugs. I will never smoke marijuana, et cetera. I'm, I'm laughing because I don't know how helpful this is. But D.A.R.E. has been big uh, being anti-pot, anti-marijuana, anti-weed. And their campaign has been dramatic over the years. They want stricter police enforcement, longer jail terms. They're nuts. I mean, this is we're finally learning what, how ineffectual pot smoking is. It isn't that bad. It's a social thing. It's not a drug drug. Anyhow, they were the big enemy of of marijuana, and recently it ended its anti-weed campaign. Very quietly, without making any announcement, okay, uh, they removed pot from the gateway drug list. A gateway drug list on there are, if you've got a, a drug on there, like pot, it says you're going to get hooked. And then even worse drugs, like heroin and cocaine, are going to affect your well-being. It's a joke. When it comes to pot, I must say this. Let me say, first of all, I'm 81. I was there in the 70s and the 80s. Everybody in your neighbor was smoking a joint on occasion. It was a social thing. Uh, I don't see... I don't know any of my friends who are drug addicts. A lot of the young kids today are, but they're doing heroin. They're doing cocaine. They're popping pills. They don't even know what they're taking. I mean, there'd be a lot of bad people walking around today. Our presidential candidates admit to having smoked. it. Only Bill Clinton said, I I puffed. I didn't swallow. (laughs) What a joke. Anyhow, uh, what's the man saying? Twenty-three states have legalized marijuana use so far either for medical use or recreational use or both. The federal government though for some reason and I do not understand this doesn't take and does not take any steps to remove illegality from the use of marijuana. It's still a crime under the federal laws to use marijuana. Why don't I understand? Well, it's been proven that marijuana helps with certain medical problems. Uh and it makes sense because it's been approved in certain states for medical use. They wouldn't have approved it if it wasn't proper to use it and helpful. It kills, we know it kills certain cancer cells. It, saves, it has saved and continues to save the lives of countless epileptic children. It heals bones and so forth. Uh, but those states who have not legalized it and the federal government continue to pursue, arrest, and prosecute. I don't understand. Now, D.A.R.E. has been teaching, this organization, D.A.R.E. has been teaching, and I quote, one hit, we're talking about smoking a joint, one hit and your life is over. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? One hit and your life is over. How about this? Reefer Madness. Reefer Madness. There's a 1937, I'm laughing again, 1938 movie uh, that uh, is shown on Turner Classics every now and then, and it's called Reefer Madness. And it shows this guy who smokes a joint, and he goes, ter- he goes berserk, nuts, <laughs> abusing people, abusing himself, talking like a fanatic. Uh, false, phony. That doesn't work that way. And they also preach that marijuana mm-hmm. is and was a gateway drug. Well, that's my story. That's my show for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. I enjoy doing the show, and I've got to tell you something. I say this every week recently because it's true. My numbers keep going up. More and more people listen to this show. I appreciate it. You have absolutely no idea. I love doing the show, and I'm glad you people are enjoying listening to it. As you know, most of you listen to it in the archived version. <laughs> it's on Black Talk Radio, YouTube, and linked to my Key West Lou website. I do a blog every morning called Key, and it's found on KeyWestLew.com. It's my life in Key West, KeyWestLew.com. Read it. Uh, If you enjoy it, keep reading it. It'll take you 30 to 60 seconds to read it. I tell you what I did the day before. I went to this restaurant, this bar. I played bocce. I didn't do anything. I stayed in bed all day. Whatever I did, you may enjoy that also. Again, I thank you for joining me. I look forward to being with you again next week. Good night.